0: I never think anything's finished. I just want to make continuous improvement on it. But I also knew that if we waited until program design was perfect and the access to college talent that we wanted was perfect and the company was at a position that we could make space and room to lift up folks that are earlier in their careers, we would never get started. And so in 21, we took a risk and just hired about 25 folks right out of college and knew that we'd make some mistakes, learn some things, but at the center of it, we just wanted to get started.
1: Welcome to leveling up where you'll learn from leading experts in talent development and explore how leaders in some of the world's most successful businesses approach employee development, manager training, and more. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also listen on our website at levelingup.co. Leveling Up is made possible by Marlowe. Marlow enables you to support your managers and emerging leaders with twice monthly sessions led by Marlowe's expert management development coaches. Partnering with their coaches, Marlowe members focus on the skills that matter most to them. Skills like communication, time management, people management, strategic awareness, and more. Support your managers and emerging leaders wherever they are in their journey with Marlo's one-to-one coaching and training. Head to getmarlo.com for more information.
2: Hey everyone. Today's guest is Abby Payne, Chief People Officer at SailPoint. Having been with SailPoint since 2011, Abby created the company's original people team, including driving a differentiated employee experience and a globally recognized organizational culture. Abby's strong drive to attract and retain the best talent in the industry has not only helped to make SailPoint a leader in identity, but SailPoint is now regularly recognized by Glassdoor, Fortune and Austin Business Journal for its values-driven culture. In addition to driving all areas of talent strategy for SailPoint, Abby is also responsible for SailPoint's global facilities and real estate footprint. Abby shared her perspective on the current workplace dynamic and how SailPoint has approached this with their program called Reimagine Work. They've also rolled out an interesting program for professionals entering, or in some cases, reentering the workforce. And that's called SailU. So we get into the details of how these programs are rolled out, what's entailed. And I think you're absolutely going to love the conversation. Let's jump in. Today, we are talking about how SailPoint has approached the shifting workplace, but I was hoping we could get started with how you have navigated your career. How did you end up at SailPoint leading HR?
0: Yeah, so I started my career in college recruiting in the late 90s during the dot-com era, and thought it seemed really exciting at the age of 22 to get paid to recruit other college kids. And so I joined a company called Trilogy Software, which was an enterprise software company based in Austin, Texas, actually still here. I went from that role into a more HR-focused role as that company grew. To tell you the truth, I didn't really even know that much about HR until I bumped into my professional mentor at that organization, who's guided me really since then. I spent some time at a company called BMC Software that was divesting a product to SailPoint in 2011. And with that divestiture, left BMC and joined SailPoint. So close to 11 years with the organization, from about 100 employees to where we are now in the kind of 2,500-ish range.
2: Yeah, that rapid growth seems to be a big part of your career. What is it that drew you to HR rather than say going in a different path, you know, you, sticking within talent acquisition, for example.
0: You know, It's interesting because talent acquisition certainly is my origin and a passion and a huge part of my role still. But I really found that focusing my career more broadly on HR gave me more exposure to the business and more exposure to the way decisions are made, the implications of those decisions, and really how an enterprise software business runs at scale and in hyper growth. And so I, as I said, I love talent acquisition, but I am just so thrilled to have had the opportunity to have exposure to a much broader piece of our business and really to understand how a people strategy can deliver a value inside an organization.
2: For our listeners who are not familiar with SailPoint, can you share a little bit more about your company's mission and what you're up to?
0: Sure. We are a security software business. So think of us as the platform for a modern security strategy at the world's largest organizations. So think of large enterprise companies with tens or even hundreds of thousands of employees through a mix of artificial intelligence and machine learning. We ensure that the right people have the right access at the right time.
2: So a lot of really smart people doing great work. We've come into this crazy work dynamic that we're all you know, still navigating. But during our, our conversation before, you shared a lot about how SailPoint is approaching the shifting work dynamic, and you, you refer to it as reimagining work. Can you share a little bit about how you're navigating this today and, and what led to these decisions?
0: Yeah, it was really interesting. When COVID hit March of 2020, you know, of course, just like everybody else, we had no idea if this was two weeks or two months. Those were kind of the timelines that we were thinking about at that time. Once we got into June of 2020 and realized we were probably in for a little bit longer road, we really made some decisions that helped us almost take advantage of a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to rethink the way we kind of crafted our engagement model and our expectation of what we call our crew. It was really interesting to see that some of the themes and working styles and modes that we now Sort of accept as commonplace or use as commonplace had already started to emerge, right? Our employees were using our buildings in different ways. They were using them for collaboration spaces and community engagement, not necessarily as a place you go to work five days a week from from eight to five. We also knew that we needed to grow our business by way of hiring and that the Austin marketplace wasn't going to serve us. And so pretty early on, we developed a strategy called reimagine work that took all of those inputs and proactively addressed some of our challenges and used the opportunity, as I said, to, to make some pretty permanent shifts. We were clear with the business and with our folks that we didn't know all the answers, we still don't, and that we might make some adjustments along the way. But you know, the idea that we would provide people more flexibility in where they work, how they work, when they work, really was aligned with our values even before COVID. So it was really easy for us to remove COVID from the conversation Pretty quickly and continue to treat our employees like adults and know that they make great decisions for our business, regardless of what's happening around us.
2: I love this observation around people using the office in different ways and and what that looks like. How does your office dynamic meet each of those employees where they are?
0: Yes, this is interesting. So we sort of think about our spaces as modern workspaces, and we're in a big project to kind of even revisualize the physical footprint of some of our spaces. And we think of them as great sites for culture, so for people to spend time together and community and collaboration. The fourth is one we sort of refer to as a college library. If you need to go for a temporary amount of time or for a day or two at your discretion, book a desk, come in. If you need to be away from your family, away from the Amazon, the dog barking, or if you need to use tools that are only available to you in an office space. So that college library kind of mentality really seems to have resonated with our folks who now use the footprint of our physical spaces in a much more self directed way.
2: I really love that. And I have such great memories for my college. Right. You used that almost as like the student union in some ways, right?
0: Absolutely. We think that it's probably a permanent shift for us. And with our lease space, not only in Austin, but in other cities around the world, provides our folks an opportunity in a planful and intentional way to spend time together and then to work independently or asynchronously when they decide.
2: So you mentioned before that Austin has a great market, but not large enough to sustain your needs how have you approached recruiting nationally or internationally really from that i'm curious from a culture dynamic like how do you you know build that team but also from a tactical perspective what has gone into that
0: yeah so this is actually one of the tenets of our reimagine work strategy is that we were seeing location agnostic hiring emerging in our business anyway because of the talent shortage right because of the war on talent that You know, two years ago, we already knew we had lost. We doubled down on location agnostic hiring. We've got some parameters in place, some good practice, just to make sure that we don't run into any compliance or tax issues. But generally, we want to hire the best. We want the best talent working on our hardest problems and the most engaged at the organization. And whether that's Des Moines, Iowa, Galveston, Texas, San Francisco, COVID really provided us an opportunity to really rapidly open that funnel. And also allowed us to kind of go up and down the stack in terms of experience. We introduced a program called Sale U for recent grads. We've taken more risk in our hiring profile, non-traditional backgrounds, faster interview cycles, which has really just allowed us to change the profile of talent without changing the footprint and the things that are really important to the organization.
2: There's so much research that goes into the fact that candidates and interview processes are not always a great indicator of how great an employee will be. And so I love this idea of like, let's get experimental and hire people who might be a great fit. Is there a a process in place that helps that move forward successfully?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, you're right. The the data for us has not suggested that longer, more drawn out interview cycles that have any kind of direct correlation to quality of hire or impact to the business. So we actually sort of took the opposite approach and said, Let's go faster, assume that some folks may not work out or may not be a great addition to the organization, assume and know that that's okay and we'll manage it and take folks through a process really rapidly. I also just generally don't believe one size fits all, whether that's recruiting and engineering, recruiting in our accounting organization, a direct field seller. And so we actually task our hiring managers in the business to define their hiring process so that while we have some continuity and consistency, that they really are able to attract the talent that really is the best ad for their organization and that way that they have input and influence on who joins their team in partnership with the talent acquisition team.
2: You dove into this side of it and thank you for doing that. I am curious about the the other side as well in terms of building up the culture Nationally, how do you adjust for training your managers, getting your team up to speed when they started managing in a distributed fashion?
0: Yeah. You know, as I said, we really quickly went to virtual everything as everybody did. So virtual onboarding, virtual interviewing got pretty good at that, but also pretty rapidly burned out on sort of Zoom fatigue. So we did a ton of enablement for our managers on how best to gather their teams once it was safe. And we knew that we could do that in in office space or physically together safely. And we tasked them with designing work strategies or engagement models. Again, as I said, that works for their organizations and their teams. And I love to see sort of a self-governing motion appearing where a one-size-fits-all HR policy just doesn't make sense for the business. So as I said, we gave some practices, some guidelines, and tasked our leaders with developing plans to bring their folks together when appropriate, when to do things asynchronously, and really just educated them on the ways and means to do things. And the other thing is we left our offices open. It was voluntary to come into the office. It still largely is voluntary, but because it was voluntary, we never had to say our offices are completely shut. And so Through all of that enablement of our managers, we really were able to see nice business continuity, nice continued support of our customers, and nice continued growth and health of our pipeline and our and our overall top line bookings growth.
2: Always great to see. And I'm curious, like, and so how when you give the reins a little bit to managers and and directors to lead their organizations a little bit more unique to them and what works for their team, I imagine some creativity comes out of that. Was is there anything that you'd be willing to share about what you saw? In that experience?
0: Yeah, it's a couple things that we now have kind of as good practice around the organization. The first is with Zoom fatigue, we have two days a week, two hours in the morning from 10 to noon that are called free to focus. And those are hours in the day that are scheduled that the organization is pretty aligned with, not every single time for the full two hours, but to give people some freedom and flexibility on the design of their day. So they are not in Zoom back to back to back. So It could be you use those two hours to go exercise. It could be you use them to catch up on email, but they're essentially meeting free for you to really best balance your life and what you're focused on. So we saw that catch on really nice. And the second one is that we want to be respectful of a quality of platform when there are meetings or other gatherings. And so if one person's on Zoom, everybody's on Zoom, even if sometimes some folks are on Zoom together in a room. And we enabled a bunch of AV in our office conference rooms in order to make that a really seamless experience. Otherwise, you just don't get any adoption.
2: There's nothing worse than having one tiny camera showing a whole room of people while the other people are giant on the screen.
0: (laughs) Totally agree. It just makes you feel isolated. It makes you feel like an outsider. And so we've been really intentional to have everybody, regardless of where you are, on your camera, on your laptop.
2: You mentioned earlier, sale you, and I I wanted to circle back to it because I think what we're seeing among our clients and within our community is it it was tough for everybody to transition to virtual, but toughest among the people who are just getting their feet wet and really learning, like, what is it like to be a professional and how am I supposed to show up? Can you share whatever specifics you're able to share regarding like, what is sale you and what was the thought processing going, like how to plan it?
0: a couple things. yes. Yeah, Salu is our recent grad program. So think folks who've just graduated from college, sometimes even returning to, from the workforce could be a military or veteran background. We've even had some folks who are out of the workforce taking care of children or parents in a SALEU kind of class and our interns who are, are generally still in college. But really our commitment to growing a set of talent as opposed to just buying experienced talent. We also look at Salu as an opportunity to advance our diversity in Inclusion and belonging strategy. We look at that lens as a long arc of time of a commitment, and through that, we believe that we can take folks who are in the early stages of their career, provide opportunity in ways that may they may not otherwise have access to, and then really set them up for a career in software, a, cur- a career in, in uh, sales, or in other security engineering. And that's an exciting opportunity. You know, there's the sort of you know famous quote about that. Uh, intellect exists everywhere but opportunity doesn't so we want to bring those those two things together so we focus on latinx colleges hbcu's to really and women in stem and technology to really round out that class so it's been exciting to see we deliver four weeks of really intense programming in person in austin to them to really build a cohort before they go out into their functions so they actually are in austin right now spending Day and night together, weekends, doing some volunteer work, doing some work work, and really having some norms and kind of working skills baked into them before they actually get turned into the business and into a real kind of operating role.
2: What level of planning has had to go into making that run effectively? It sounds like a pretty large investment for that matter.
0: Yeah, it's, so we did our first SALU class last summer. Our intent in 21 was to have it in person. Of course, I can't remember if it was Delta or Omicron that, that switched us to virtual with SALU. So we knew that 22 would be our first in person, but it's a kind of continuous improvement cycle. I never think anything's finished. I just want to make continuous improvement on it. But I also knew that if we waited until program design was perfect and the access to college. Talent that we wanted was perfect, and the company was at a position that we could make space and room to lift up folks that are earlier in their careers. We would never get started. And so in 21, we took a risk and just hired about 25 folks right out of college and knew that we'd make some mistakes, learn some things. But at the center of it, we just wanted to get started.
2: I'm sure our listeners will. Love this idea and and rolling out something of that. I mean, it's just, we're back to in person and and it solves a lot of the problems that then if these individuals go back to their hometowns and can work remotely, it's not as big of a lift.
0: Well, it's really interesting. You know, I think there's so much opportunity for kind of underrepresentation to make progress in this kind of model, particularly with set of the cohort of you, which is inside sales. So that generally is kind of an earlier stage opportunity into an enterprise selling role. And what we were finding is that we would hire inside sales recent grads to start learning that process in Austin. and they would then want to make the the jump to enterprise sales rep, which generally are territory-based. So it was hard for us to get folks who had lived in Austin as inside sales to want to move to Kansas City to assume a territory. So Really bringing SaleU together with location agnostic hiring allowed us to position what we consider kind of a pipeline of next generation enterprise talent in the regions in which they'll sell and ultimately serve our customers. So bringing the business need together with kind of an HR process or enablement, it just doesn't get better
2: than that. And you chose a great city because Kansas City is my hometown.
0: So I've never been there, but I've heard it's an incredible city. Yeah.
2: Great, great food and great coffee. Yeah. Um, well, as we get close to time here, I, I wanted to ask how you're thinking about this shift from great resignation to who knows what we're about to approach right now with the economy shifting. I know that that sale points in a really great spot. So how are you thinking about the coming year of recruitment and growth?
0: Yeah, boy, it's been really interesting seeing a really white hot talent market, one that I haven't seen in my kind of 25 years in the business pool pretty rapidly. And you've seen some of the larger technology players specifically be pretty public about some of their kind of decisions for the back half of, of 2022 and even some reductions in force. You know, I think SailPoint is uniquely positioned because just like we treated COVID, we look at this time period as opportunity, right? So we look at this as opportunity to go, attract talent that may not otherwise have known about SailPoint, may not have otherwise considered SailPoint, an opportunity to really target folks who both are you know, not active in the recruiting market, maybe because they were overwhelmed with so much volume in their inbox, or who have been you know affected or impacted by some of the movement we see in the market and really an opportunity for us to continue to accelerate our hiring motion you know i think it's an easy kind of go to to tap the brakes in hiring and talent acquisition because you see immediate savings right you see immediate cost reduction the flip side of that is how challenging and how much time and expense you spend 30, 60, 90, 180 days later to reignite that engine, right? To relight that fire. And so for us, I want to be really cautious that we continue to hire great talent, great culture adds to the business. But I want to use this moment as an opportunity for us to attract faster, more efficiently, and then an opportunity for us to be able to to grow the business and be really well positioned coming out of this, this period.
2: Thanks for sharing that. I think there's a lot to learn over the, the coming months, and we can all only guess where this is going. As we wrap up here, I have a few questions that I ask all of my guests. One is, what resources are you currently leaning on to continue to stay sharp in your space?
0: So I read the Wall Street Journal every morning. The second thing that I do that provides me just the most insight into our business and to be be, the best partner I can possibly be to my business leaders is I have Google alerts set on our competitors, on our partners on the businesses in our ecosystem on which there's interdependency. I am focused more on being relevant in our space and security and in software than I am in necessarily kind of HR news. You know, I want to be focused on what's right for our organization, not necessarily following trends. So staying connected to what is happening in industry is probably my most kind of called upon resource.
2: And you grew the organization so much over the past few years. I'm, I'm curious, what lessons you've learned in this time, specifically at SailPoint?
0: You know, boy, I, uh, let's see, before the pandemic, I think I was 20 something years in the, in the field. And I thought I'd seen everything, you know, yeah, you probably appreciate this. You think you've seen all the employee relations issues and all the, you know, wacky customer things and all the growth and sometimes reduction and all the pay practice and all the change, but man, you know, COVID provided such a concentrated learning opportunity, even for, you know, folks that have been longer in tenure. The other interesting thing that happened for us just by chance was I inherited managing our real estate and facilities footprint in January of 2020. At the time, I thought I was just going to sign leases and build buildings, you know, just walk around ribbon cutting. And instead, you know, had another learning and development experience myself about HEPA filters and you know touchless toilets and and all kind of things that really were focused on keeping our employees safe able to do their jobs and in service to our customers so i'm actually kind of grateful over the last 2 years that though we've seen some kind of unexpected unknown territory it's been exciting and an opportunity that you know we've all gotten to learn some some new tricks
2: Thanks for sharing that. Okay. Is there anything else you, you think that our listeners should hear today?
0: Yeah, I know your listeners are are largely focused on the middle enterprise. SailPoint is a, a middle enterprise company. It is, you know, a really interesting place to be, right? You're not necessarily name brand to family, to people, to their your employees, friends, and family, agile enough to make changes really quickly, but still sometimes, you know, building the plane while you're flying it. That's sometimes how we refer to it. But you know, I really just try to encourage my HR organization to think of themselves as business leaders first before they're HR people. So think of lead based from and be knowledgeable about the business and then make decisions like you're investing or spending your own dollars is been so critical and so key to, to our growth and to our ability to attract and retain great talent. And you know, the rest will come, but being able to talk knowledgeably about the business is such a differentiator in the field and one that I try to challenge myself and my team about every day.
1: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts on Stitcher, Spotify, or Apple podcasts. Head over to levelingup.co to join our newsletter and to find past episodes.